0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. See the central narrative that it is We are American. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, November 8th, 2023, the 1022nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So tonight we have the third fake GOP debate in the fake GOP primary a day after the fake elections, and you can imagine That all of the major narratives coming out of last night's very strange election results will be brought up for the candidates to discuss on stage tonight in front of a relatively small national audience. And the purpose of these debates, as you probably already understand, is to make Ron DeSantis look like he could actually beat Donald Trump in a GOP primary. Perhaps this is done because Ron DeSantis is a very bad and stupid politician who thinks it is possible to take down Donald Trump and somehow still get the votes of the MAGA base in his future potential contest with Joe Biden. Or Ron is a kayfabe operation designed to expose all of the rhinos in the Republican Party and the donor class. But it may be a while before we finally determine the truth of Ron DeSantis. And to some extent, it doesn't really matter because we're ending up in the same place either way. But there should be no doubt that a focus of the debates tonight will be analyzing the narratives coming out of these elections. And of course, that's the situation. That's why they scheduled the debate one day after the elections. They're going to pretend that all of the election results, as reported, are completely true, and the results of free and fair elections, safe and secure elections, the reported results will accurately reflect the will and intent of the voters, and then we will analyze how these reported results actually reflect some underlying reality. We see these numbers. What do these numbers mean? How were these numbers created? And oh, yes, that is mysterious. How exactly were these numbers created? Did they just make them up and give them to us? Yes, that's exactly what happened. And then they held an election and made up all sorts of stories about that election to convince everyone that those numbers are very, very real and that those numbers accurately reflect the public's intent. That means that the public can know about itself just from these numbers. Look what you've done, the television says to all of us. You are the voters. You created these numbers yourself. This is what you have done. And because these numbers don't actually make any real sense based on what you know about reality and your community, we're going to make sense of these numbers for you. We're going to give you a litany of reasons, however many it takes, truth be told. So that you will believe in the numbers. If you don't believe our first explanation, well, we have a second and a third and a fourth and a hundredth. And if at some point it becomes clear to us that you're just not going to accept our explanations and we're not able to come up with any more of them, we'll simply call you a domestic terrorist, say you are repeating the big lie, call you a Nazi, and then try to censor you and throw you in prison just as we've been doing the last few years. So in a second, we will get to the stories that are coming out of these very real elections and talk about some of the reaction and what some of that reaction is designed to do. But let's make sure that we are all starting from the same place. And the place that we must be starting from is the place of understanding that our elections are not Real. Our election results are the product of overwhelming fraud and manipulation at a variety of levels. Big tech censorship, media manipulation, machine vulnerability and manipulation, voter registry manipulation, ballot printing and distribution manipulation, ballot collection. Manipulation, ballot casting manipulation, ballot counting manipulation, and then finally, of course, lawfare and court manipulation. All of that is involved with what we currently call elections. And then within each one of those verticals for each one of the stages of the election, there is a variety of manipulations inside that. A great many people have spent a great deal of time over the last few years trying to discover and then understand that great variety of manipulations and communicate those to the public, often at great personal cost to themselves and their reputations and other things that they might be doing with their lives. There is no way to properly analyze our current politics without understanding the effects of stolen elections. It is not possible, which is why 99% of all political analysis can be thrown in the garbage immediately. It is why so many of the people who are Popular and prominent political commentators are consistently wrong about everything and leave their audiences totally unprepared for any emergent reality. And at some point, you got to wonder if that is a conscious choice being made, if that is actually the point to leave everybody totally unprepared to deal with reality as it emerges in the world. Because what happens when you are consistently destabilized and thrown off course and confused? Well, you are forced into a position of weakness and vulnerability and mental chaos, and you are likely to accept whatever answers are given to you by whoever seems to be authoritative and confident when giving you those answers. You want to apply order to chaos and whatever seems more orderly then also seems helpful. So people accept the answers as given, they go back to sleep, and next time an election comes around, they will once again find themselves beset by chaos and confusion, and once again trust the regime, the authoritative source, in supplying the answers that help bring them out of that chaos and put them back to sleep only to encounter more chaos in the future. The only way out of this is by understanding the truth. The truth is that there is absolutely no reason to have any faith whatsoever in our election process. And until something major is done to change that, the situation stands as it is. The burden of proof is not on us. The elections quite clearly cannot be expected to be free and fair, safe and secure, and for the reported results to accurately reflect the will and intent of the American voter. We don't have to contest a series of totally unsubstantiated numbers and then find some collection of votes that are clearly fraudulent or lawless to overcome the difference between the made-up numbers. This is a silly exercise. I don't know why anyone has ever believed it. The system has been made far too complex to work with integrity. The system has been complicated and convoluted beyond the point where people can be expected to understand. The system introduces opportunities for manipulation and then blames all the ensuing errors on the people operating the system, claiming that it's not fraud, it's just an accident, just like all the other times. We'll have that fixed up for you in a second. Just go ahead and ignore this because the results aren't going to change. We're going to fix the system. Oh, look, we didn't fix the system. The burden is not on us to prove fraud. The burden is on the people supporting the system to prove that the system can work. And they have done absolutely nothing to ensure that the election integrity measures that have been carried out in various places have not ensured election integrity. Not at all. There is no transparency. Claims of fraud are written off as conspiracy theories and not taken seriously. There is no respect paid to the voting population at all. And if no one's allowed to check, then no one should be expected or even encouraged to think that the results are real. When I was a little kid, one of my best friends had a wild imagination, and he told me that he had lightsabers and a Millennium Falcon at his house. Now, let's say, for instance, that he had told me he had five lightsabers, and I was like, no, I don't think you do. And then he suggested that the only way for me to refute his claim was to prove that he did not have lightsabers or that what he had weren't lightsabers and that I had to do all of this without checking. That would be insane. And that's basically what we are being asked to do and to believe. We have created these results. We're creating them in real time. Just look as the numbers go up. You see the numbers going up. That means voting is happening right now. And if voting's happening right now and you can see those numbers going up, well that must mean that we're counting them, correct? See, it's a real election. Now we've told you. Look at this. The number we've produced is 721463. If you think that number's wrong, you need to find which of the numbers in that number are wrong. And you're not allowed to check because we already told you and we're the people who tell the number. Everybody knows that we must be trusted. We are the tellers of the number. Once we give you the number, you trust the number. It doesn't matter what the number is. We're giving it to you. That's how you know it's the right number. That is what we are dealing with. The burden of proof is not on us. Election after election after election after election has clear and obvious indications of fraud, not only in the process and what we learn on Election Day and prior, but in the results and in the impossibility of the results. Joe Biden, for instance, did not receive 81 million real lawful American votes, and it is absolutely insane to pretend otherwise. This is not a Democrat Republican thing. The Democrats all claimed that Donald Trump stole the election in 2022 in a variety of ways. The Democrats themselves have complained about machine fraud before. In fact, they've been complaining about election fraud for over 20 years, and that is just in the modern era. Everyone knows there's a history of election fraud and manipulation in this country. It didn't just start in 2020. Everyone knows that we overthrow governments around the world and rigs their elections, but apparently that can't happen here somehow. Everyone believes our politicians are corrupt and bought off, often by massive transnational corporations and philanthropists, all tied into the same systems of global government. Virtually everyone knows that. With those being the stakes, with the fact that they pay for the politics to go in the direction that creates the world they want to forward their agenda. Why would anyone believe that all of those people would allow normal average working Americans to decide whether or not their system could be implemented with all of that on the line? The only rational place to start is by assuming That the elections are rigged and stolen and rife with fraud and manipulation. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's basic common sense. If you are going to allow someone to continuously rob you and pretend there's no way they're doing it because you don't want to be called names, they're not going to stop robbing you. And just because other people are willing to say the same thing you're saying, it doesn't make you less robbed. You got robbed. There is no reason to have any faith in the election system. It is proven over and over and over and over and over again. And yet we have the same people out every single time telling us that the system produced accurate and reliable results again, and then just beginning to analyze and create narratives about politics that match the agenda they were pushing the day prior. We get all sorts of explanations for the results, and the people creating all of those explanations never bother to mention election fraud, election rigging, election theft, Why in the world is that? Why are they so committed to the uniparty election system? It's like they're more concerned with some personal need, usually based on reputation, than they are about the future of the country as they watch society decline. Think about what we are dealing with here. We're dealing with people who remove the fact that Joe Biden did not receive 81 million real, lawful American votes from their conversation, and from their thinking completely. They don't believe that they can prove election fraud because they're not very smart and because they haven't checked for themselves, so they don't talk about it at all. But the burden of proof isn't even on them. There is no proof that the elections are free and fair, safe and secure, and that the reported results accurately reflect the will and intent of the American voter in the first place. They have already reversed the burden of proof. But because they don't understand that and they haven't checked for proof and they don't believe that they have enough proof or that their proof doesn't matter, they pretend that the underlying reality is different than it actually is. I mentioned this problem yesterday because there is now this public conversation on social media and people's words last online and everybody is super worried about ever being called a hypocrite or ever being proven wrong about anything they ever said in the past as if there is anyone in the world that doesn't meet those conditions. Now we have these ridiculous demands for some sort of ostensible objective truth or journalistic accuracy that can never, ever, ever be fulfilled and isn't demanded of the other side. And here's an example, by the way. It is still seen in certain quarters comprised mostly of standard-issue uniparty right and left villagers who are wannabe elites and who depend on that power structure. To be conspiratorial thinking, the stuff of conspiracy theory, To talk about stolen elections, despite the overwhelming evidence, despite them being stolen in broad daylight, despite all of the absolutely impossible results, everything that has happened, that is still a conspiracy theory. But the opinion that masks helped against covid is taken seriously and not mocked in those circles. It is amazing how afraid people are of the supposed reputational power of the wannabe elites. This is all party of false decorum stuff and the incentives and punishments within the party of false decorum. We don't have to get into that right now, but people do need to be conscious of it. This is why people are afraid to talk about these issues and they would rather be wrong about absolutely everything including the people who do this professionally, they would rather be wrong about everything than admit to a basic and obvious fact because of the reputational damage that admitting that fact could cause. This is basically the same phenomenon as when most of the country decided to pretend that they didn't know the difference between men and women. How are we supposed to think about people who are unable to admit basic facts because their peers, the people they respect, the people they want to gain power from will not say those things in public and will punish anyone who does. That is what we are dealing with. And so today we have all of the GOP elite and establishment, all of Con Inc., all of the DeSantis simps out there giving us post-election analysis that does not include any understanding of the fact that our elections are stolen all across the country at every single level. And they pretend that's true, despite the fact that there have been three or four election fraud-related news items in the last week, blatant, obvious proof of election fraud, and it simply just vanishes into the ether And we go back to pretending that the elections are free and fair, safe and secure, and that the reported results accurately reflect the will and intent of the American voter. And the question becomes, how much proof do people need? The truth is, there's no answer to that question because it's not about proof. Their belief is not a rational belief based on an assessment of the facts. Their belief is produced because of their desire to remain at their current position or continue to rise within the party of false decorum. They do not want to be kicked out. They do not want to be exiled. They do not want their reputations damaged because that is how they ascend. There is no amount of proof that will change these people's minds. It has already been proven over and over and over again, and they reject it each time because they are responding to social incentives and punishments. They have been convinced over the course of their lives, whether it's through their upbringing or by culture, that the way to achieve success in this life is to constantly tend to one's reputation, to become impressive to the people from whom they want to derive more power. Now, you would think that people who deny election fraud, would have been embarrassed into silence or into changing their minds by now, but they haven't been. And why is that? It's because no one holds them responsible, because they are still seen as the serious people and... People who are in the party of false decorum, including those supporting Trump, don't actually want to punish or respond to any of those people for lying to them all the time. People won't even stop listening to Ben Shapiro or Dave Rubin or Megan Kelly, despite the fact that they are wrong about everything all the time, leading people astray for days or weeks or months or years. Here we are three years after the stolen elections of 2020, and their listeners are all pretending that these elections are real. Well, you can't say they're stolen until you produce enough ballots, enough evidence to prove that it would have changed the outcome based on the difference we were told between these two numbers they made up. Uh, okay, dummy. I mean, what? In the world, are people thinking that is the sort of thing they think is smart and true after listening to Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin and Megyn Kelly and the hosts on The Blaze and everybody on Fox News? What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. Hey, man, they made up both these numbers, the number of the winner, the number of the loser. They don't even care what party it's for. Their goal is only to make sure that a representative of the unit party is in office in that position. You know that the system can't produce accurate results. You know that people within the system are making sure that it won't. And you're asking for proof, told you're not allowed to check, and then in response say, well, I guess I'm not going to have any proof. And without proof, I can't accuse those people who won't let me check of any malfeasance. That would just be wrong. I should give them the benefit of the doubt, despite the fact that they have lied to me consistently about everything forever. Okay, you are the smart and serious one. What am I thinking? Now, I'm not saying I'm right all the time. I'm certainly not. But assuming the system is fine and then putting your faith in the results that system produces as reported to you is crazy. Knowing what we know and knowing what everyone already admits, people on every side of the political spectrum have understood at some point in their lives that elections can be stolen. This is an important issue. It's about who makes the rules by which we all have to live. And we can see how much of a difference that makes. We can't just assume that the people who lie to us about everything are telling us the truth this time. And it's totally irresponsible. It's neglectful to not force them to maintain some sort of standard. So let's assess what I suggested yesterday as a likely outcome. I was focused on Glenn Youngkin as a representative of the uniparty right of that GOP establishment as a potential replacement for Ron DeSantis, who is failing spectacularly in the fake primary, a situation that will very likely get worse for him tonight. I expected that the system would produce solid wins for Republicans in Virginia. And that the narrative coming out of Virginia would be about how Glenn Youngkin's style of moderate Republicanism was the new path forward for Republicans everywhere. They wanted this seriousness. They wanted someone to get things done and they didn't want to be annoyed by all the drama surrounding Donald Trump. They just wanted everything to quiet down and go back to normal. Glenn Youngkin, good, safe choice, at least as a backup if anything happens to Trump. And we'll just go ahead with that. I thought that's what was being set up, and that was clearly mistaken. It seems like a certainty at this point that Glenn Youngkin will not be making an appearance in the fake presidential primary. There is still some push for Brian Kemp as an alternative, but you have to assume he's going to stay out. He has said he's staying out, and there probably isn't enough attention or momentum behind him to be able to get in. And this would also make sense in the context of Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa, endorsing Ron over the weekend. There would have been some signal that the Glenn thing wasn't going to happen. And they're just going to have to stick with Ron. So let's get some momentum out there behind Ron. But none of that has materialized for Glenn. And the GOP in Virginia, rather than becoming more powerful and ascendant, has had their power stripped away in some very strange ways. Trans candidates, a webcam prostitute nearly winning, very strange results. And let's get some of the mainstream story on these election results today and we will look to CNN for being as normy as possible let's start with virginia democrats will win control of virginia legislature cnn projects in blow to governor youngkin Democrats will win full control of the Virginia legislature, expanding their foothold in state government and effectively ending Governor Glenn Youngkin's hopes of governing with Republican majorities and enacting his conservative agenda. So the days of Glenn are officially over before they even began. Glenn Youngkin will now be hamstrung as Virginia's Republican governor, unable to push an agenda forward. Will we see him just become a rubber stamp for the Uniparty in Virginia? Will he embrace his true calling of being a Uniparty corporatist with a little R by his name and a red vest on? We shall see. Maybe we will hear stories of Glenn Youngkin's bipartisan successes. Maybe he'll become the next Larry Hogan. Oh, the future is bright and the world is his oyster as a rubber stamp of Democrat policies. Who knows how popular the TV might try to make him? Virginia Democrats will flip the state house while retaining their majority in the state Senate. Control of the state legislature was at stake in this year's election with Republicans defending their narrow majority in the state house. Youngkin, who has been touted as a potential late entrant into the 2024 Republican presidential race, currently dominated by Donald Trump, spent much of the past few months rallying GOP voters toward a hoped-for governing trifecta. The elections were also seen, for better or worse, as a referendum on Youngkin's non-MAGA brand of conservative politics and the state legislative candidates who subscribed to it. But with Democrats projected to control the legislature, Yunkin may have lost the opportunity to portray himself as the rare GOP leader with some distance from the MAGA brand and a record of winning over some Democrats. So Glenn Yunkin, the much-touted hero of the conservative establishment, the man who turned deep blue Virginia, a state that voted for Joe Biden by 10 full percentage points into a deep red conservative powerhouse on par with governors like Ron DeSantis, Brian Kemp, Greg Abbott, Kim Reynolds, and Chris Sununu, all of whom are currently slightly less popular than Nikki Haley. That's what they were going for and they didn't The conservative establishment is showing no love for MAGA and MAGA is showing no love back. Now, once you understand that the election results aren't real, then you can understand that the election results as reported exist to support narratives. And all you're left with at the end is the narrative result. Well, what is the narrative result from all this? It seems to be the opposite of what the GOP establishment wanted. They wanted to advertise a politics that has Donald Trump removed from the picture. They wanted a return to Bush, McCain, Romney-style republicanism. But there's no support in these results for that narrative. So the people who consistently communicate the narratives of the Republican establishment are having a very bad day today, and this is only the first part of it. They cannot sell Glenn Youngkin as some kind of great Republican success story about how wonderful the GOP could be without Trump. That is not going to work. No one is ever going to believe that. And it's not just about the balance of power in Virginia and how that did not favor Republicans. Virginia also saw a man by the name of Danica Rome win a state Senate seat, becoming the first transgender state senator in virginia history we also had the webcam prostitute susanna gibson nearly win her election and i'm not sure that they have an official final result of that yet so we will have to see but it looks like she has not won maybe they thought that one was just a little too ridiculous regardless if you think about the marketing of glenn youngkin over the past couple years since his 51-49 Fifty-one forty-nine Dominion win in 2021, all of the narratives he wrote in on have now been washed away. You will recall that Glenn Youngkin was swept into office on the basis of the anger against what was happening in the Loudoun County schools. And all of that was about woke issues, the trans stuff, the gender agenda, books in schools, and all of the stuff that the hosts of the Daily Wire love to talk about as they produce all the trans content people could possibly consume. They produce 24 hours worth of trans content, seven days a week, 365 days a year. If you wanted to stay awake for an entire year subsisting only on trans content 24 hours a day, you could just leave the daily wire on all the time. And if you wanted to do that, but also sleep a few hours a day, you could simply just play all of the Daily Wire content at 1.25x or maybe 1.5x speed, and you would save yourself a few hours. It turns out that neither Florida nor Virginia are where woke goes to die. They are just places that woke goes when it needs to hide out for a little while. So the woke thing failed in Virginia. The power of Glenn thing failed in Virginia, but those weren't the only narratives coming out of Virginia last night. Back to the CNN article. The results also underscore the power of abortion politics after yet another campaign waged with reproductive rights as a central issue broke in Democrats favor. Youngkin had vowed that if Republicans won full control of the Virginia legislature, they would pass and he would sign legislation to outlaw abortions after 15 weeks, with exceptions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. And so rather than understanding that elections are stolen, we are being told that this election in Virginia and the results, the election of the tranny candidate, the near election of the internet prostitute, All of that was about how much Virginians love abortion. And of course, we were given abortion as an explanation for many of the election results last fall as well. Everybody knows that as soon as you say abortion, that means women everywhere are coming out to vote in droves. And young people everywhere. And Democrats everywhere. And the coattails of the abortion issue will sweep Democrats into office because everyone knows that Republicans are trying to control a woman's body and are dead set on taking away the rights of half the population. And they pretend that all women like abortion. But it's not true that all women like abortion. And it's not true that the abortion standards that the left promotes are even popular with half of the women in this country, much less the men. It's also not true that this is one of the primary issues for people. People are watching society crumble and we are told every day about the frustration with Democrat politics. We've been getting poll numbers suggesting Biden is not only losing to Trump in the important battleground states, but that he's losing the Democrat Party's hold on the black vote. The Democrat Party's hold on the Hispanic vote and the Democrat Party's hold on the young vote. And despite all that, we're being told that Democrats came out in droves to vote against the chance that abortion might be taken away. Give me a break. Quote unquote, abortion rights were on the ballot in Ohio as well. Back to CNN. Ohio voters will approve constitutional right to an abortion. CNN projects. Ohio will become the latest state to enshrine reproductive rights in its state constitution, continuing a winning trend for abortion rights advocates since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. With the passage of the ballot measure issue one, Ohio will be prevented from restricting abortion access before fetal viability, which doctors believe to be around 22 to 24 weeks of pregnancy. After viability, the state can restrict abortion access unless the patient's life or health are at risk. And naturally, this is what abortion advocates want. They can use those late cases and manipulate things how they need to to get all the abortions and all the fetal tissue these abortions produce that they could ever dream of. We should stop pretending that the Republican establishment has any problem with that. They always claim to have a problem with that. Otherwise, they would have no voters whatsoever, but they don't really have a problem with that. And the proof is in the fact that for the 50 years Roe versus Wade was the quote unquote law of the land. Republicans used the abortion issue to win elections and never really did anything about the issue. They exist only as controlled opposition. And the people who direct their behavior in office have no interest in restricting abortions. It is part of their agenda. The Republican establishment has attempted in the last couple of cycles to make abortion a national issue, even though Donald Trump and three Supreme Court justices have returned that issue to the states. It's almost like the Republican establishment nationwide is attempting to subvert the progress that MAGA has already made and hand the Democrats a win, which is part of why Donald Trump has taken a more moderate approach to this. But back to CNN, the vote is yet another sign that abortion access is a key issue for voters across party lines, even in a state like Ohio, which is trended Republican in recent elections. It hasn't just trended Republican, it has been a solidly red state. And somehow that solidly red state just reversed that very solid trend to pass a ballot measure favoring a constitutional right for abortion. These were President Trump's Ohio results in 2020. Trump won 53.3% to 45.2%. And it's worth noting that CNN has this race from 2020 still listed as an estimated 99 percent in. But Donald Trump received three million one hundred fifty four thousand eight hundred thirty four numbers on this screen representing votes, whereas Joe Biden received two million six hundred seventy nine thousand one hundred sixty five numbers On this screen representing votes, a difference of nearly 500,000 votes out of a total of nearly 6 million in Donald Trump's favor. And here are the results from last night as projected right now, 98% of the vote in the yes on the constitutional right to abortion in Ohio is at 56.6% the no at 43.4. Here are the total votes. 2,187,592 in the yes column, 1,675,728 in the no column. So now that is a 500,000 plus vote lead for the constitutional right to abortion in Ohio. We go from nearly 6 million total votes in the 2020 presidential election to under 4 million in the 2023 election. A state Trump won by half a million votes and 8% as reported has now produced a 13 point win in favor of abortion, a margin of that same half a million in the other direction With two million fewer votes, and we're all just supposed to think, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know how much those communists like their abortions. That old red state of Ohio, despite the absolute failures of the illegitimate Biden administration, the failures in East Palestine, all of that, they went out in support of Democrat agenda items. Ohio is for lovers. Ohio is also for lovers who made a mistake with their lovers and now don't really want to take responsibility for it. I think it's just going to be easier this way. This one little mistake between two lovers shouldn't affect a child's whole life nor ours. Let's just change our political opinions complete. Oh, what a turnaround. Abortion as a national issue. Roe versus Wade overturned. That would send it back to the states. The states can just do their own thing about all that. But no, no, we can't have that. Abortion must be a national issue. And the Republican establishment has helped make it one right alongside their controlled opposition on the uniparty left. And together they use abortion to explain election results. The numbers we are given that come from. I don't know, wherever lightsabers come from. Here's some response to the Ohio results from questionably MAGA Ohio Senator J.D. Vance. For pro-lifers, last night was a gut punch. No sugarcoating it. Giving up on the unborn is not an option. It's politically dumb and morally repugnant. Instead, we need to understand why we lost this battle so we can win the war. I was very involved in the no campaign for issue one. So let me share a few insights. First, we got creamed among voters who disliked both issue one and also Ohio's current law, the heartbeat bill. We saw this consistently in polling and in conversations. Quote, I don't like issue one, but I'd rather have that extreme than the other extreme. End quote. This is a political fact, not my opinion. And this political fact, to J.D. Vance, is proven by the outcome of these elections as reported, which we have to assume are correct, even though we're not allowed to check. Second, we have to recognize how much voters mistrust us, meaning elected Republicans, on this issue. Having an unplanned pregnancy is scary. Best case, you're looking at social scorn and thousands of dollars of unexpected medical bills. We need people to see us as the pro-life party, not just the anti-abortion party. Third, as Donald Trump has said, you've got to have the exceptions. I am as pro-life as anyone, and I want to save as many babies as possible. This is not about moral legitimacy, but political reality. I've seen dozens of good polls on the abortion question in the last few months, many of them done in Ohio. Give people a choice between abortion restrictions very early in pregnancy with exceptions or the pro-choice position and the pro-life view has a fighting chance give people a heartbeat bill with no exceptions and it loses 6535 the reason we didn't lose 6535 last night is that some people who hate no exceptions restrictions will still refuse to vote for things like issue 1 fourth We've spent so much time winning a legal argument on abortion that we've fallen behind on the moral argument. I talked to so many decent people who voted yes on issue one and their reasons varied. Some described themselves as pro-life but hated the lack of a rape exception in Ohio law. Some were worried that Ohio law would prevent them from addressing an ectopic pregnancy or a late term miscarriage. Some didn't understand the viability standard in issue one and thought that, of course, you should be able to abort a non-viable pregnancy as that would be a danger to the mother. You can criticize the propaganda effort on the other side for lying to people about these issues or confusing the populace, but it suggests we have to do a much better job of persuasion. And I'm not just talking about 30-second TV commercials. I'm talking about sustained, years-long efforts to show the heart of the pro-life movement. Fifth, money. We got outspent big time on issue one and across the country. Republicans are almost always outspent by Democrats. Relatedly, Democrats are better at turning out in off-year elections. The national party should be focused on two and only two issues how to juice turnout in off-year elections, and how to close the finance gap with Democrats. A lot of people put their heart and soul into this campaign. The local right-to-life organizations in Ohio, the Center for Christian Virtue, SBA, Governor DeWine, and so many others. I tip my hat to them. A lot of people are celebrating right now, and I don't care about that. I do care about the fact that because we lost, many innocent children will never have a chance to live their dreams. There is something sociopathic about a political movement that tells young women and men that it is liberating to murder their own children. So let's keep fighting for our country's children, and let's find a way to win. Now, J.D. Vance makes a lot of good points in there, and I believe that he is sincere about his opposition to abortion and his support for the pro life side of the argument. But I think that some of that is disingenuous, and I think that some of it is downright ignorant, particularly the analysis that includes the assumption that our elections are free and fair, safe and secure, and that the reported results reflect the will and intent of the voter. That is not true. J.D. Vance knows that it is not true, and yet. We have to hear this analysis that includes the assumption that everything he knows to not be true is in fact true. Now, he might be right that there are people out there who find both positions a little extreme and this one a more practical position. He is right that people see a serious moral issue in forcing a woman in their understanding to carry a baby to term that is the product of rape, or incest, or if the pregnancy itself may somehow compromise the life of the mother. All of those are reasonable concerns. These are moral conversations that we have as a society, as a community, and reasonable people may end up coming down on both sides. There may well be a real-world trade-off between the position of moral purity Whether that position is the product of one's faith and belief system, their understanding of their religion, or whether they just believe that a fetus represents a human life and no one has the right to take it. And the view that if the moral purity becomes the priority rather than saving the lives of babies and the moral purity makes it harder to create a system that saves the lives of more babies. There's probably a trade-off in there. There's probably a moral conversation to be had. I'm not in a position to make that decision for other people. That's their decision to make about where they come down on that moral issue. And if you don't like that position, you can think that they're bad people. But for us, it has to be a question of, is it better to take the view of moral purity or is it better to be more practical in the hope of saving more babies. If there is a real world trade-off there, that must be resolved and the strategy should reflect your moral conclusions. And I think that there's no question J.D. Vance is correct about how much of a distraction over the last few decades the legal issues around abortion have been from the conversation about the morality of the abortion issue. That is the real conversation we should be having. All the talk about when the restriction should be is being skewed and propagandized in the public conversation. People get mad about the six-week abortion bans and those limits, and that gets framed in the public conversation as some kind of extreme position. But what's extreme about it? Why can't we introduce the norm of sexually active women getting tested for pregnancy? We had people testing themselves every day for COVID with tests that they knew didn't work. Why not create a society where women just pee on sticks once a month? I hate to be crass about it, but if there was a six-week abortion ban in place, it's not like women are being stripped of their rights and their lives. When we allow normal, sensible solutions to be framed as extreme, we are losing arguments. We are already accepting the terms of the other side and giving up. It should not even be possible to lose this argument. But somehow the GOP establishment has managed to do it for 50 straight years, 50 straight years. They've been losing the abortion argument and they still are. It's like they're just trying to hand the other team a win and they do it so often that they've actually made the other team seem really strong. It would be like the 1927 Yankees going zero wins and 154 losses on purpose, and then suggesting that the other team was actually better. Abortion is a losing issue for the Republican establishment because they want it to be a losing issue. They lose on purpose. They are the Washington generals of the abortion debate. They were even gifted the forever refutation of the my body, my choice argument In 2021, with the vaccine mandates, and they are still losing the argument. How does that happen if not on purpose? CNN adds in another article about key takeaways from last night's elections. In the end, though, Ohio Republicans might have gotten off easy. Their referendum took place now during an off year with no voting for statewide office or president. Other state Republican parties might not be so lucky. In Arizona, activists are gathering signatures for a 2024 ballot initiative that will ask voters a similar question to Ohio's this year, a development that already has Republicans there fretting. Tonight's results in Ohio should scare every Republican in a state where an abortion question is on the ballot in 2024. Arizona Republican strategist Barrett Marson told CNN, Abortion initiatives are both driving turnout among Democrats and forcing Republicans to talk about an issue of which they are on the wrong side of the electorate. Sounds like a very committed Republican strategist down there in Arizona. So they're going to try to get a ballot measure put on the Arizona ballots next year so that they can explain what they will call a massive Democrat turnout operation. Remember, We have to pretend that elections are free and fair, safe and secure, and that the reported results accurately reflect the will and intent of the American voter in all of these states, even ones like Arizona, where we know that the proof of election manipulation, rigging and theft is absolutely overwhelming. And they're telling us. Prepare for Republicans to lose in Arizona next year. And when that happens, we are going to say that it was because of abortion being on the ballot. Now, I probably don't have time to go deep into the ballot measure thing today, but ballot measures, which sound like an opportunity for citizens to solve issues through direct democracy by getting specific laws put up for a vote. Are actually just easy opportunities for people with big money to fund a petition operation and a ballot initiative. And then all you have to understand is that elections are rigged and the system immediately becomes a way for the powerful to have the law changed without any input from legitimately elected representatives, which means. There's no one to hold accountable. The voters did it in Kansas. The voters did it in Ohio. And the voters will do it down in Arizona. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to lead to Democrat wins in these states. And what should we do according to the GOP establishment and most people analyzing quote unquote conservative politics today? Well, we just need to vote harder. We need to listen better to Scott Pressler and go vote early and do more ballot harvesting and do more registering to vote. We won't be improving the data operation of the people who steal elections for both sides of the uniparty. No, we're going to be strengthening Republican possibilities while reaffirming the validity of the election fraud system. What could be better? I don't know if you heard everything I just said, but that is a recipe for permanent failure, which makes it awfully strange that it's being advertised to us by people who are supposedly on our side, people who are very smart. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, wait, these people have all denied election fraud for the last three years to the point where their ignorance of the issue could only be seen as complicity in this treason against our country if it just so happens that election fraud is real and everyone finds out. And once you've taken that off the menu of possibilities when searching for explanations about what happens in our elections and how to fix it in the future, well, then you're just into a fantasy realm where you begin encouraging a fortification of the fraudulent system as it exists and more faith in that system as a requirement for somehow beating that system. We're being told, oh, you're causing a lack of faith in our election system, which is going to lead less people to vote, bro. What are you thinking? Oh, so more faith in the fraudulent system, We'll make more people participate in that fraudulent system. And that will somehow lead to yielding legitimate results. Well, that's retarded. And you want our further participation in the most obviously manipulative aspects of this fraudulent and lawless election system. Well, hey, bro, that's retarded, too. We're not going to do that. In fact, we are going to understand that these elections cannot produce legitimate results no matter how hard we go out and vote. And once we understand that, we are going to analyze emergent reality, incorporating that obvious and basic and unavoidable truth, because we actually want to be right in our analysis and figure out ways to fix the problem rather than telling everybody, hey, unless we put more faith in this system, the people with R's next to their name are going to be called losers again, and you don't want to be called losers, do you? I know I don't, I don't want to be called a loser. So I'm going to put all my faith in this system. And I'm going to assume in every case that what I'm being told by the television is true this time, because without that, we can't understand these other important elites with the little R's next to their name. We need the people with the little R's to beat the people with the little D's. And if we can just do that, our problems will be solved. What we need to do is elect someone like Glenn Youngkin, who will just get things done without anyone noticing. Does that sound like a preferential outcome in a government of by and for the people? No, that sounds like a preferential outcome for people who want to do a bunch of things that the citizens would never approve of without any pushback whatsoever, and without anyone knowing what's being done in their names. Those are the conditions where you can begin lopping off kids' genitals and supporting Nazi armies in Europe. Now go consume more trans content so you can get a pat on the back for knowing who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo has That's how you'll know you're helping. Tell us how serious you are as a Republican voter again. And we still haven't even gotten to the weirdest result yet. Here is CNN. Democrat Andy Bashir won re-election in Kentucky, but who lost? Andy Bashir won a second term on Tuesday in a state that Trump carried by more than 25 points in 2020. Now the real fight begins. Endorsed by Trump, but often described as Mitch McConnell's protege, Daniel Cameron's defeat will stir a lot of finger pointing within the Republican Party. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie was directing his at the former president shortly after the polls closed, calling the result another loss for Trump. So Mitch McConnell's protege lost in Kentucky, a state Trump carried by 25 points himself three years ago. And that is a loss for Trump. Christie said the losing will only end for Republicans if we rid ourselves of Donald Trump. Trump, loser in 18, 20, 21, 22, and 23. So four of those five election cycles, Donald Trump was not on the ballot, but he has lost all five of them. And Daniel Cameron's loss is Trump's fault, despite being Mitch McConnell's protege. And Daniel Cameron, by the way, is black, that's got nothing to do with it whatsoever. I mean, it would. If he was a black Democrat, then his race would have been the reason he lost. Kentucky would have been extremely racist not to elect him. But since he's a black Republican, it's just Donald Trump's fault that he lost. Trump won by 25 points in 2020, the last time he was on the ballot. Daniel Cameron lost by seven in 2023. So a 32-point swing away from Trump is Trump's fault. Even CNN is not buying that. Trump will likely take a different view of the matter, but the reality might be that neither high-ranking Republican Party leader had a direct effect on the Kentucky electorate, which has routinely given Bashir high marks for his work and appears to have been concerned about Cameron's stance on abortion. Last year, Kentucky voters rejected a ballot measure that would have denied constitutional protections for abortion. During the campaign, Bashir hammered Cameron, the state attorney general, over his support for the strict law currently in place, which does not include exceptions for cases of rape or incest. So once again, abortion is meant to explain the difference here. This 32 point swing in three years. We have to assume that the results are right. There must be an explanation for results this extraordinary and absurd. Therefore, it's abortion. And oh, yeah, it's because Kentucky kind of likes their communist governor. You know, Kentucky, totally racist, white bread hicks, but they love abortion and Democrat communist governors. But that's not really the weirdest part of the Kentucky results. The weirdest part is what happened down ballot. The governor's race, of course, is the crown jewel of last night. And we are told that Democrat incumbent Andy Bashir beat Mitch McConnell protege Daniel Cameron, even with his Trump endorsement. But we are also being told that the Republican incumbent Secretary of State Michael Adams, Won his race by 21 points, and that the Attorney General, the Republican Russell Coleman, won his race by 16. And I should note that the difference between Bashir and Cameron is now reportedly 5%, not the 7% from when I had made that note. So the swing from the Trump result in 2020 to this result last night is 30% rather than 32%. My apologies. But the statewide election results, AG, 16 percent secretary of state, 21 percent. The same people who created those results also gave the Democrat communist governor a five point win over a Trump endorsed candidate who is Mitch McConnell's protege. I mean, MAGA are cultists, right? We do whatever we're told all the time. Whatever Donald Trump says, we just do it. So MAGA cultists definitely went out and voted for Daniel Cameron and Mitch McConnell people, the establishment Republican people. Well, they must like Daniel Cameron as McConnell's protege, so they must have all gone out. But somehow Daniel Cameron gets solidly beaten by the Democrat communist and the Republican Attorney General and Secretary of State both have massive wins. You can search for the mainstream articles covering this Kentucky race. Very few of them mention the down ballot results. The story coming out of this is that Cameron went after Bashir on the woke issues, the gender issues, etc. And all of that failed for Daniel Cameron in Kentucky. Now, there has been some reporting of irregularities in Kentucky. We heard yesterday about a gas leak. We've heard about vote flipping and vote changing drops in the reported totals for Republican candidates, something that simply should not happen. We know this because we have seen it over and over again for the past few years. There were machines flipping votes in Pennsylvania. That is just a nationally known story now. And we are still pretending that we should analyze elections as if they are all free and fair, safe and secure, and that the reported results accurately reflect the will and intent of the voters. It is also worth noting that in Kentucky, that incumbent secretary of state who won again last night by 20 points decided to keep the ERIC registration system in Kentucky. This is the Associated Press from June 21st, 2023. Kentucky to stay in voter fraud system for another year while seeking alternatives. Kentucky will remain in a multi-state effort designed to ensure accurate voter lists for another year while looking for possible alternatives to detect voter fraud. The state's chief election officer said Wednesday. So you see, the Eric system is actually to prevent fraud. It's not to manipulate the voter registries in states across the country. It's actually to prevent fraud. It would be irresponsible to withdraw immediately from the bipartisan group without having a backup plan, said Adams in a statement. Eric has helped Kentucky comply with the law and conduct fair elections, Adams said in explaining his decision. While my administration will never cave to conspiracy theorists, It nevertheless is true that the value of Eric to us going forward is a debatable question. So it's a very good system. It would be irresponsible to withdraw and he will never cave to conspiracy theorists. But maybe the system's not that good and the conspiracy theorists are right. So that's the Kentucky secretary of state who ran that election last night. He won by 20. Daniel Cameron lost by five. They stayed in Eric. He's worried about conspiracy theorists. But nonetheless, despite these impossible results, our elections are free and fair, safe and secure. And the reported results accurately reflect the will and intent of the voter to even suggest that our elections might be stolen is simply irresponsible. It is a distraction. It is what turns off so much of the country to MAGA policies and to Republicans in general. Wow. Another day of being told stupid nonsense by stupid people. That's all today is. You don't have to get upset about this. They're blaming things on you because they will never blame themselves. What could be more obvious from people who are still denying election fraud after three years of it becoming increasingly obvious to everyone? It is not a matter of proof. They don't care about proof. Stop trying to supply these people proof. Stop even engaging in the argument. Understand that there's no reason to believe our election systems can produce accurate results and laugh at anyone who says otherwise. The argument has already been made. Laugh at these people and ask them why they believe that the election system can produce legitimate results despite all evidence to the contrary. Do you really think the TV is telling you the truth about our elections this time? They decided, oh, you know what? We really need to start being honest about these elections. But despite all of it, we still have people trying to analyze elections as if the system is just fine. This is Sean Davis from The Federalist. The Kentucky governor race results were interesting because the race was a contest of two political dynasty machines in the state. McConnell versus Bashir. It's an open secret in Washington that McConnell is out of gas, has lost control of his own conference, and is no longer calling the shots. He will not be Senate GOP leader after next year's election. But we didn't learn until last night that McConnell's personal political machine in Kentucky is also on its last legs. Cameron was literally McConnell's protege and was described as such in local media for years. He worked for McConnell, was picked for his statewide runs by McConnell, had his campaign run by a veteran McConnell aide, and even counted McConnell among attendees at his wedding. Cameron's election was supposed to be McConnell's crowning achievement, as well as McConnell's opportunity to finally retire and focus on his health issues. It's hard to overstate what a devastating personal loss last night was for Mitch McConnell. He desperately wanted to leave the Senate on a high note, Instead, McConnell will limp out of his leadership role after 2024, having lost the confidence of his Senate colleagues, the opportunity to have his hand-picked political protege appoint his successor, and the ability to push forever war in Ukraine. Now again, some of this analysis is obviously correct about the state of the real world, but it still leaves out the most basic fact which is that the election results cannot be relied upon at all, and so no conclusions can be drawn from it. Everything he said about Mitch McConnell there is certainly true, and it is probably the most true that Mitch McConnell did not want Andy Bashir to be the person who would appoint his successor if and when Mitch decides not to continue. So now Mitch is apparently there for the long haul, no matter how many more times he glitches out. The longer he stays in, the more embarrassing it will be, the more he will be exposed and the more his legacy will be tarnished. They would have loved to take Mitch McConnell out of office on a grand farewell tour and then honor him as a great stalwart in the GOP Senate a larger-than-life figure who left his indelible stamp on Republican politics for generations, blah, blah, blah. You know what they always say. Well, now he can't do that because Andy Bashir won a rigged election rather than Daniel Cameron winning a rigged election. The Eric-friendly Secretary of State remains in place, and I guess we'll have to see about this Republican Attorney General. But no matter what, despite the election irregularities, an impossible outcome, nothing is wrong with the system. We need to analyze it in other ways. So we've been told that these results that are disappointing for Republicans are Trump's fault, of course, and they are about abortion, of course, which portends, of course, to poor results in 2024, anywhere that abortion might be on the ballot that will give Democrats advantages. But we have not yet discussed the final and most important excuse for the results last night. And that is Ronna McDaniel as the head of the RNC. Ronna didn't do well in fundraising. She didn't do well in allocating money. She didn't do well in strategy. And Ronna as head of the RNC has presided over yet another major loss for the Republican Party. Now, we saw this battle play out back in January as Mike Lindell was running for the RNC chair, as was Harmeet Dillon, the supposed Republican attorney who has represented clients like D.C. Drano and others. She is involved with the state party of California, and she was being strongly supported by each and every D simp in the world. It was a massive priority for them to have Harmeet Dillon elected as chair of the RNC. And when that didn't happen, they blamed it all on Donald Trump. Reports were that Trump backed Ronald McDaniel, for RNC chair as opposed to Harmeet Dillon, and now we are once again seeing that Ronna McDaniel is responsible for all these losses, according to DeSantis Simps and according to everyone else. Now, here's the thing I am not defending Ronna McDaniel in any way whatsoever. I don't like Ronna McDaniel. I don't care about Ronna McDaniel. I don't even want there to be an RNC. I don't want political parties. So I don't care about any of these people. And I'm certainly not defending them. But Ronna McDaniel is not the reason why we had these losses. We had these losses because someone decided we were going to have these losses. There is no reason to believe That these elections were free and fair, safe and secure, and that the reported results accurately reflect the will and intent of the American voter, period. There is no reason to believe that. Therefore, any analysis that is on top of that, above that, layered above that, is pointless. The baseline understanding must be that these results cannot be trusted and should not be respected to then begin assigning blame for the results of rigged and stolen elections is a pointless exercise in futility and obfuscation and misdirection that takes us away from the only important point, which is that the election system is rigged. You cannot produce legitimate results from an illegitimate process until the process is fixed and made transparent for anyone to be able to check and verify. It is senseless to worry about who the head of the RNC might be now. Why would people who understand all of this still care about who the head of the RNC is? Well, it seems like they have priorities that Ronald McDaniel is not fulfilling. And that is all that matters. No, Ronald McDaniel has not fixed our elections, or really done anything to fix or even expose the problem. So again, I have absolutely no love or support for this woman whatsoever. I do not care about her fate at all. I'm not suggesting that she should die or anything, but how she drifts off into irrelevance doesn't mean a thing to me. But the priorities of people pushing Rana as the problem while ignoring the real problem mean a great deal to me because they are influencing a public narrative and it seems like they are trying to get a result that they were unable to achieve last year. They want to now replace Rana once again, maybe with Harmeet, Dylan, maybe with someone else, but they want Rana replaced. Why? So that whoever they replace Rana with is able to influence the primary process next year. We just heard Ron DeSantis from last week. I played it on yesterday's podcast talking about how if Donald Trump is convicted, the RNC should decide to deny him the nomination, regardless of what the voters have voted for. They want the RNC to make the decision that Donald Trump as a convicted felon Cannot win in the fall and therefore they cannot give him the nomination. They will give someone else the nomination as their candidate and Ron DeSantis will be the nominee at that point of the Republican party. That is the strategy. So understanding that possibility, it is then no surprise to see all of the DeSantis supporters trying to place all of the blame on Ronna McDaniel and then get her removed. Ronna McDaniel might simply be a placeholder in that position. It's not like Donald Trump is directing MAGA to donate to the RNC or to support the RNC. There is no support directed from MAGA to the RNC. The RNC might make itself completely and entirely irrelevant by this time next year. And so Ronna McDaniel at that point will not matter at all. But Ronna McDaniel certainly matters a lot to people who are outside of MAGA, and it might be worth wondering why that is, and why they are going so hard after Ronna McDaniel, and why they want her to resign or step down immediately. John Solomon, who I generally like a great deal, the fantastic reporter on all things Russiagate, really does an excellent job of covering Congress, a straight newsman from just the news. He does a show with my pal, Amanda Head. He was on War Room this morning saying that Donald Trump needs to get Ronna McDaniel to step down in order for Republicans to win rigged elections in 2024. Again, I have a great deal of respect for John Solomon, but that is a ridiculous analysis. We have a totally broken election system that has zero integrity and zero transparency and has absolutely unequivocally lost the trust of the public in an irredeemable way. We don't need to pretend that Rana McDaniel is the deciding factor in the outcomes of these rigged elections. The regime is creating the chaos, the uniparty left and the uniparty right. They're creating the chaos and the confusion, and they're also suggesting what the answer should be. In this case, get rid of Rana and let's replace her with someone else. In the RNC. And hey, if those people make it easier for Ron DeSantis to win and Donald Trump to lose or easier to get rid of Donald Trump completely, well, I guess that's just all the better. That's what they get for losing rigged elections. And that's the case that they are currently selling to Republican voters and standard issue uniparty right villagers are eating it up because they were called losers by the television and they want someone to blame and all the people that they still listen to and still respect for some reason, despite those people being wrong about absolutely everything for years in a row are telling them that it's about Trump and abortion and Ronald McDaniel, who, by the way, they blame on Trump. So it's really about Trump and abortion. And it's definitely, definitely, definitely not about the election fraud system. It's not about the fact that our elections are rigged and stolen at every level all across the country, because if they admit that basic obvious truth that virtually everyone can see just by looking because it's happening right out in the open, then all the rest of everything they've said and done over these last few years immediately falls apart. Their reputation becomes immediately nothing or so they think. And that's that. So they just play the game on the terms prescribed for them by the party of false decorum. They would rather be wrong about absolutely everything all the time with the approval of the people they want to impress than be right about basic, obvious truths and be punished for it. You want to know why we lose elections? That's why. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcotour.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm Your Moderator. And I'll see you soon. Out on the Range.